we can't always look inward and stay so protective of ourselves. We need to work with other industry players because ultimately, when you build an ecosystem, when you cooperate in that yeah. sense, <laughs> the ultimate winner will always be customers and brands. Welcome to the Payments Powerhouses podcast, where we discuss current trends with the movers and shakers in the fintech industry. Brought to you by 2C2P, Asia's leading payment solutions provider. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Payments Powerhouses. I'm Suhan, your host for this episode. Today in the studio, uh, we have Jeremy Wong, the head of strategic partnership with Tomi, a leading buy now, pay later platform in Asia. So Jeremy is the go-to guy to drive strategy to execution in tech startups. He calls himself an accidental payments lead in the mobile payment space and has worked closely with senior leadership teams across global fintech startups and Fortune 500 companies. Hello, Jeremy. Uh, great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks, Johan. Uh, very good to be here as well. All right. So you have made really interesting career move in the past decade, right? I see that you have gone from consultancy roles in PwC to iFlix, then to fintechs like Fave and now Atomi. Why do you say that you landed by accident in the payment space? Yeah, that, that's an interesting journey. I think when, when, when I've started with uh, corporate consulting experience, it's always with learning at the forefront. Mm-hmm. I, I've always enjoyed uh, learning a breadth of new industries and new competencies in different areas. And with consulting, is always something that I feel that I could get. Mm. And gradually, as I grow into my career path, I, I moved into the tech scene. This was back in 2015 when in, in, in KL, if you recall, it's still a very nascent kind of tech uh, growth, right? Mm-hmm. So, so iFlix was one of the few that has you know, grabbed headlines for, for, for good and for, for bad reasons, of course, yeah. <laughs> in terms of uh, what they're doing in, 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 in the streaming platform. And, and I was very attracted to how all these uh, high growth startups are coming out mm. from the tech scene. And with that, moved into iFlix in an international expansion role. And where I say it's accidental is because when I moved to Fabio for the juncture where yeah. they just acquired over Groupon in Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, mm. and they were still in the works of launching a mobile payment. So if you like cast your, your mind back to 2017, uh, the behavior of someone scanning a QR with mobile phones is, is, is just very foreign, right? Yeah. I remember when we first launched Fave Pay. Uh, we were pitching to a couple of merchants. We all got a very similar feedback for businesses. They would go, hey, why would I pay something over QR code? There's no funds being transferred. I don't see cash being uh, being transferred. So here's a fraud or something. And then we had to go through a lot of different uh, pitches to convince brands to come on board, right? And I guess accidental is because I've never thought I would stay for five years. Okay. Um, I think uh, given where fintech is going, uh, it's probably going to be at least another five, if not 15 years where where this will continuously evolve. uh, And hence why, you know, accidentally stumbling onto this and and being in here for for, for so long. Yeah, it's it's a happy accident, right? It's a good one. That's right. Yeah. Um, And and I want to touch on something where, um, you know, in the fintech ecosystem, uh, partnership is really key. We are seeing established financial institutions uh, partnering with competitors to extend their business into new customer segments. Um, I believe um, there is a term for that which Harvard Business Reviews uh, cover extensively. It's called uh, co-opetition, which, which means cooperating with a competitor to achieve a common goal or to get ahead. Um, so you yourself is in the realm of partnerships. Um, what do you think are the gains in this growing trend of partnerships? Like, how do you actually uh, thread and balance between competition and collaboration? Yeah, 
ultimately it's all about building the overall ecosystem mm. right and and definitely healthy competition is crucial and cooperation on an industry level would only then progress the industry further one recent uh, cases that happened is when the Singapore Fintech Association actually launched this uh, binopulator task force mm-hmm. to kind of look into how to actually grow this industry sustainably and you look at who is in that panel of member right? there's ourselves at Tomi there's uh, Hula there's Grab there's Fave and so on right and, and and I think this is really an indication of how cooperation would really then grow the ecosystem yeah uh, because we always feel that we can't always look inward and stay so protective of ourselves we need to work across with other industry players at a very sensible manner definitely to then grow it because ultimately when you build an ecosystem when you cooperate in that yeah. sense uh, the the ultimate winner will always be customers and brands yeah that's great could you tell us more about Tomi and its mission when you guys first started before i start with Tomi i do want to start with uh, the overall group first advanced mm-hmm. intelligence group and this actually started with our first product uh, a b2b saas product if you like mm. uh, called advanced ai so this started sometime in 2016 so a good full five years right now or if not six the main business proposition is to actually provide ekyc solutions to banks to financial institutions to fintech insurtech and so on yep. right uh it's ai driven that means that that data is continuously learning we also care a lot about encryption and privacy and data security right so with that engine and that foundation of working with global banks um that b2b solution now is the foundation of atomi which is um what we view as the B2C product right uh, Atomi is a binopulator platform of your purchases you can split them into three and where we are very strong at is kind of create this credit enabled marketplace and with that we roll it out in nine markets today mm. uh, Singapore obviously Malaysia Indonesia Thailand Vietnam Philippines these are the six markets in Southeast Asia we are also in Hong Kong Taiwan and Japan The mission here is really to deliver inspiration to the consumers in these nine markets that we're in uh, as well as inspire them to really own it um yeah. affordably right and sustainably um I think much has been said about buy now pay later for for us we really do believe that with that advanced ai engine and that foundation that's uh, really the bedrock of atomi we can deliver that sustainability to the consumers and sustainability to the brands great great And so me being payments as well, like I, I like to experiment with different paying methods. Um, I've used buy now pay later, later quite a few times, uh, and what I've noticed about Atomi, which I like, is that whenever I spend using Atomi, I do get to accumulate Atomi Plus points. I just wonder, is this something that's unique to Atomi among the buy now pay later players? And for the benefit of our listeners, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the purpose of this Atomi points as well and how do you use it? Atomi Plus. Definitely started off as a pilot. I would say we are unique in a sense where it is a loyalty program where we want to continue to inspire customers. And the relaunch that we did with Atomi Plus about three weeks ago mm. kind of proves that we enriched and enhanced our catalog. Uh, we also have more premium partners right now. Mm. Reward the consumers a lot more. Uh, of course, the pain three already does that. At the same time, customers never say no to more rewards, right? As far as we are aware, the the pure BNPL players is concerned. Uh, Atomi is definitely one of the only ones that uh, provides both a pain three and also a loyalty program. Yeah, 
And I thank you for that. Uh, because of that, I actually <laughs> use it to buy uh, some furniture on Heap. Thanks, and, thanks, yeah. thanks. I, I, I'm I appreciate glad, that. I'm glad you're a benefactor. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand that uh, by now, pay, pay later players as well, they heavily use data to not only run a proprietary solution, uh, for example, the use of credit and fraud checks, like you mentioned, mm. uh, but also to provide businesses and consumers more value, right? So um, can you elaborate and talk more about how Atomi harness the power of data? We do a lot of first-party and also third-party mm -hmm. data. Uh, first-party data here would be uh, the direct touch points that we have with consumers, with brands. Uh, this is a unique thing because we know what they spend on, we know when, we know how frequent they spend. So all these are constantly being monitored by not only our risk team, but also by our data insights team mm -hmm. to be at the very forefront of trying to look at insights on how consumers behave. Um, at the same time, also to look at the trends on what is the next industry that could be a greenfield industry of growth. So that's first party data. Um, of course, we as a business owner need to be responsible to both sides of the platform. Uh, and that's where third party data comes in. And that's where a lot of the work being done by um, the, the guys at Advanced AI come into play. Mm -hmm. We work with a lot of uh, credit agencies, uh, alternative data agencies, risk and fraud agencies to continuously enhance and grow the engine. Whether it's risk monitoring, whether it's transaction monitoring, whether it's even something as boring as just you know a data scoring or credit report, we work with them. And now, given we're looking into more marketplace approach of growing beyond just financial services we're also looking at data on how do we grow our content how do we develop content how do we provide tools for merchants to grow their businesses and the whole point is to actually then by using these data to enrich the services that we can give to customers enrich the services we can give to merchants I understand but what would you say for those um because we're talking about data right so what would you say for those that are really concerned about data privacy yeah um that is always on the mind and that will always be, I guess, one of the first few questions that consumers ask. Um, I think firstly, uh, from a regulation point of view, we've always worked very hard and very diligently with the local regulators mm -hmm. uh, to fulfill any kind of uh, personal data protection uh, requirements, uh, whether it being in Singapore or even in Vietnam, Philippines, Japan even, right? That's mm -hmm. something that we have local teams that have to work on it. Uh, from a technological infrastructure point of view, we also work very, very closely on cybersecurity front, right? I'm not really a professional or an expert in this, but I do know that uh, a lot of encryption goes into the data. And at the same time, in any cases of data exchange, we keep it in a encrypted database that neither of party holds. Something like a neutral database in that sense, right? Making sure that all the cybersecurity policies are in place. We always put data at forefront um, as the most important bit when it comes to privacy. So a lot of things has been done and are continuously being done to ensure that security is always top notch. Yeah, that's great to know. And also, I think talking about Atomi and the regional landscape as well, you mentioned just now that Atomi is in currently in nine markets and growing in Asia. I'm just wondering, could you share more about the expansion plan for Atomi? Uh, which are your growth markets and where else can we see Atomi expanding to as well? The nine markets is basically where we'll expand to at this point. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like having nine children, you know. At, at one point, you're like, I think that's already good enough. So, <laughs> so at least in the next medium to long term, uh, we feel that these nine markets have plenty of opportunities for us to develop deeper into. Mm. And um, we are very aggressively bringing in more talent from the local markets mm. that understand 
how local consumers work, they understand the cultural nuances, they will understand what it takes to actually grow Atomi in, let's say, in their own local market, like, let's say, Philippines or yep. Japan or, or even like Thailand and Indonesia. Expansion, I would say, would not be on a geographical scale, mm -hmm. but rather going deeper into each market to yep. make sure that we strengthen our position, we consolidate our leadership position, and we continue to deliver uh, satisfaction and inspiration to, to customers. And as we know, the buy now, pay later market is booming in Southeast Asia, right? Uh, digital lending, including buy now, pay later, is expected to hit about $92 billion in transaction in 2025 uh, in this region, which is up four times from 2020, according to the recent Google, Tomase and Bain report that's released recently. We have also seen uh, Apple uh, entering into the buy now, pay later space with its Apple Pay Later launching soon in the US. So with all this increased competition, um, I wonder what does this mean for Atomi, the merchants and the consumers? Firstly, I think we find it as a win, actually. Mm -hmm. um, it's a validation of the business model, especially when someone like Apple actually comes into the game. It tells us that whether long-term or uh, how, how it goes is telling us that there is a product market fit for this kind of uh, business model. And it also pushes us and motivates us to actually work harder mm. and, and to actually gain a hit. Uh, what we find that at the end of the day, it's execution that's most important. And uh, Southeast Asia is where you need to have very localized approach. Uh, you need to really go into the market and understand it. You can't be sitting over 20 floors above Cecil Street in Singapore and say, oh, I understand how Vietnam market works. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. you need to really be at the streets by Ho Chi Minh, um, see how the behavior is like, spend a good uh, at least you know one, two months to really immerse yourself in the culture. Yeah. And, and we find that uh, it cannot be a one-size-fits-all, mm -hmm. especially when you're going through ASEAN and East Asia where everything's so diverse. Uh, we feel that given our investment in getting local teams, given our investment in understanding the markets, and given that we've spent so much effort to actually go into each market to study them, uh, that is what will give us the edge in terms of, you know, um, continue to deliver value to customer yeah. and continue to deliver that kind of success we have always seen to brands and merchants. Yeah, I, I guess, for instance, the retail market in Japan, you mentioned that's one of the markets you are expanding to or in, it will be quite different from, let's say, Philippines or Malaysia as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think not only in terms of the consumer demographic, but also mm. the spending pattern and how they spend. To give you just an example, mm. I think, when we looked into the Japan market, it's a lot more matured audience, mm -hmm. um, but definitely spending power there is a lot higher, right? In comparison, Philippine market, the Filipinos are relatively younger. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, it also uh, means that their spending power is not as high, right? Relatively speaking. So we also do need to cater in terms of what is the demographic and what are the kind of brands that would usually come in play. Um, and are they more... Uh, online spend and e-commerce websites? Are they more in-store payments? Or are they, in fact, social commerces? Do they buy things off live streaming? And mm. if they do that, how can Atomi be there to actually help them to do so? Yeah. Interestingly, you talk about offline and online. So I was just wondering about the future of retail or how retail is trending, about online versus offline. What are your thoughts on this? Like, What are your predictions in terms of how is this trending and how is Atomi supporting this? For us, we see that brick and mortar stores will never go away. It will always has its place in the retail space. 
what it will look like, however, will definitely change with technology. Mm. And, and we already are starting to see that with uh, a lot of our merchants having this omni-channel experience, right? You buy online, collect it in-store, right? And a lot of times now, it's not only just online and offline, you also have live streaming. You also have payment links through chat messages like the Line app, WhatsApp, mm-hmm. Instagram. It's really from a brand's point of view, how do you react and adapt to these new channels. It will never ever be just one channel that will give you the value. You will only start to see more different channels of uh, commerce happening, right? Now the situation is not as good, but Metaverse was really a popular thing back then, right? (laughs) A few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, (laughs) right? Yeah, exactly. And now no one is talking about it. But I think ultimately, if you are a business owner or even if you are a customer, how do you adapt to that ever-changing behavior? And I feel with technology, the pace of that change is just going to be accelerated. And, and we have multiple solutions to actually help the merchants do so. From the most basic QR standee mm-hmm. at the cashier to even doing uh, POS integration, credit card terminals integration. Uh, online, we have all kinds of you know very funky, fancy stuff, right? Um, tokenized payments, virtual cards, e-commerce payments, social commerces. So we have payment links. We have dynamic QR. Every time a new solution comes out, we would test it out as a pilot with a couple of merchants, track how it goes, especially from a conversion yep. and a payment experience point of view. And if it does well, or even if it does not do well, we have lessons learned, reiterate, iterate, iterate, and then mm. come to a, a final product that we like. Yeah. yeah. I think you mentioned social commerce, right? I think that's quite interesting. And I've seen a lot of chatters on that as well, on, in terms of how Buy Now Pay Later is applied in that space. Perhaps you can maybe explain to us uh, what is social commerce exactly and how is buy now pay later being applied in the social commerce? When the pandemic started, maybe the first social commerce that really took off, (laughs) uh, at least for me, right? I was at home working from home during that time and I saw my mom was actually on Facebook live of a fishmonger selling fish. And I was just looking at it uh, really skeptically. I was like, does this really work? This was a small uh, fishmonger just, just at one of the outskirts fishing villages. He was attracting like a hundred over thousand viewers. Wow. And his purchases was very straightforward. It was just, uh, just PM me if you want this item A right now. So the uncle, aunties or whoever is watching it, yeah. just PM me in the price. And I was just asking my mom, does this work? <laughs> um, something so rudimentary of just texting, right? Or mess- dropping a message onto the Facebook Live. Um, but she got the fish like, you know, three, four days later. And I was just like, okay, that, that, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I think fast forward two years now, it's more advanced for sure. Then a lot of social commerce platforms have already figured out when the merchant is putting on the live stream, what are the kind of products they sell? So merchants beforehand can already plan uh, mm. the catalog or the inventory or the SKUs they're going to be live streaming about, promoting about. And from there, at any given time, just put out the link. Yeah. Um, so it's very straightforward, right? Yeah. Once the link is there, if you're, let's say, buying you know a, a kilo of prawns, you just click into the link, complete your payment, your order is completed. Everything is now automated. And I think this would not have happened if not for the pandemic. And if it's also not for fishmongers like that, who is willing to adapt yeah. to the ever-changing behavior, right? And that's why with us, we have also localized a lot of these solutions. We recently went live with uh, ShopLine on ShopLine Pay as the exclusive buy now predator provider. ShopLine, I think, is is one of the strongest live streaming e-commerce enablers in the region. Mm. And they've been doing a lot of live stream. So they are pretty proficient in that front. And we've been, always been learning a lot from them. I think that's one 
I think even with 2C2P in Thailand, we also have a lot of brands of which uh, has been using your payment link. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also found a way to kind of work on that. Speaking of Thailand, actually, one of the things that blew us away when we went on the ground to do research, Thailand has 500,000 social sellers. And most of them are just mom and pop. Not even mom and pop, it's just like <laughs> maybe a high school student who is like selling their own design of fashion mm -hmm. dresses or, or fashion clothing, right? And just selling online. So yeah. how do you cater for that? Right? You're not a business. You are not a massive corporation. You're just interested in selling clothes. But if you're going to go through a normal payment gateway, they're not going to accept you because, you know, they will want your business registration document, they want your bank account, they want all these things. So um, how do we allow them to come on board and enjoy our solution mm. whilst at the same time also managing all this risk and managing all these onboarding uh, restrictions that we yeah. have? So, so it's something that is always on our mind too to kind of cater for that. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about that because uh, I suddenly have this image of chat to chat going social, live streaming online. <laughs> right? If you put 500,000 sellers <laughs> in a physical space, it's probably going to be multiple chat to chat markets. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> have you bought anything uh, recently using social commerce? Uh, actually, I did. I'm an avid comic reader since I was a kid. Right? Okay. Uh, Marvel and DC Comics mm -hmm. are, are one of my favorites until now. And I actually bought a figurine of uh, Doctor Strange. It wasn't even one of those auctions. It was just like, you know, they were promoting a bit about Marvel and, and all these figurines they have. It's a brand in Malaysia and they were actually having this kind of, um, you can call it limited quantity, strength to scale kind of Doctor Strange yeah. figurine and just bought it. And everything was just within the streaming app. I don't get redirected wow. to a, a separate app. I don't get jumped around. Of course, there's like a pop-up of a browser and so on. Yep. But otherwise, the experience is, is really seamless. So once I click onto the link, my purchase is done like within a minute. Mm. Um, credit card is charged. Confirmation email sent to my inbox. I get the product within 14 days. So, oh, very so, seamless. And I think that's a lot of what we'll see. If not, it'll be a lot faster in the future yeah. uh, with more of all this innovation coming up. Very cool. I guess speaking about post-pandemic as well, I'm curious to learn about what is uh, your post-pandemic strategy? How are you re-engaging consumers, merchants, uh, now that everyone's traveling again? Uh, like what kind of campaigns uh, and activities are you doing with your merchants to highlight the different brands? We started off in Singapore first. We just ended our media campaign. It's called Own Your Expression. It's arguably the first of its kind, an O2O fashion show. We have 2,000 plus attendees in Suntech Mall. And at the same time, we live streamed it across all the markets that we have. So you go into the Atomi app in Thailand, for example, you can live stream this fashion show. And we garnered over 200,000 viewers across the markets through the live stream. So that's the approach that we're taking in terms of building the brand. Yeah. Uh, making sure that we are omnipresent in an offline space and yep. also an online space. In terms of strategy, we do feel that we will still need to adapt to all the channels. We think we've made a great start mm -hmm. in terms of capturing the value and capturing the attention of the market. Uh, and, and right now, it's really just continuously improving, continuously iterating on the solution. We're rolling out a couple more interesting solutions in the next couple of months that brands and customers will definitely enjoy. So we, we look forward to announce that to you guys. Yeah, I think it's really smart to combine fashion and payments and using it as platform for merchants as well and consumers. Yeah, um, yeah. Will you be taking the fashion show elsewhere as well? 
I think given it's such a, a, a huge effort, if my marketing lead uh, is going to do one more, she probably need like a long break after. I, I think maybe this year is going to be something more small scale. Something of this skill, I think uh, in terms of impact, we we'll probably look at how do we then execute this. Um, yeah. But otherwise, maybe trying out something different next time. Who knows? Maybe next year, we'll invite you to a metaverse fashion show. Great. <laughs> I love to attend. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess we are reaching towards the end of the, the show. Before I wrap up, you being the accidental payments guy, do you have any advice for any of our listeners who may be looking to accidentally enter the payment space? Is Atomi hiring? Yes, Atomi is always hiring. Yeah. Do go to our career website. We are probably still looking to aggressively expanding the team, not only in Singapore, but every other market. Um, but more importantly, I feel that if, if, if you have interest in fintech, it's always taking that first step and not worrying about appearing dumb. I, I feel that uh, in this day and age, everyone cares too much about whether they appear dumb or rather care too much about the opinion of, you know, whether they have the capabilities mm. or the technical knowledge to do so, right? For me, you, if you have a purpose, that's where you have the passion. So if you really are sure that you want to dive into this space, um, just go out, speak to people, network, uh, take job interviews. Uh, if it's even a massive career shift and you feel that you are willing to take this pivot, uh, go for it. I think myself, um, it was definitely accidental, but I, I, I did not regret it one second. So just go and try it. Like Life is short. All right. With that, uh, thank you for stopping by, Jeremy, and sharing all the insightful stuff about Binal Pilator and experience as well. I guess I'll see you in the near future in uh, Marvel Metamus. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thanks, thank man. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and subscribe. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook or Twitter. To read more about this conversation, go to 2c2p.com slash blog. Mm-hmm.